Hi, this is Amanda. And this is Lindsay. We're True Creeps. Where the stories are true. And the creeps are real. We'll cover stories from grotesque gore. To the possibly plausible paranormal. To horrifying history. To tense and terrible true crime. And everything else that goes bump in the night. We want you to join us while we creep. We cover mature topics. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, everybody. So excitingly, today we're going to talk about mermaids. And this is coming out the day after my birthday. So I've made this my birthday present to myself is making Amanda talk about mermaids, <laughs> especially after some some scary TikToks that she's found and sent to me in the middle of the night. I love you remember our Sea Monsters episode many moons ago, which is still my favorite episode. But our Sea Monsters episode, we were actually going to talk about mermaids. And then we found that there was so much more. I didn't think that we would find a lot of contemporary sightings of mermaids. And I'm disappointed in myself for having underestimated the amount of yeah mermaid sightings that there were. <laughs> Right? Well, with the use of cell phones now, you would think that there'd be even more. I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I wasn't bought in at first, I'll admit it, because I never really thought of mermaids as frightening until I started watching a lot of sightings videos. And they're not like murderous mermaids or anything, but it's more just like, what the hell are they looking at? Yeah. I mean, it's often kind of like, what is that that they're looking at? Yeah. Yeah. Paired with some scary music. Always. It's always paired with scary music, as it should be, right? Like, <laughs> you can't get spooky if you don't have the whole situation ready. <laughs> so we're going to talk about a lot of different sightings over centuries, but we'll start with history. So the first recorded fish chimera was in the Oannes in the 4th century BCE. It left the sea every day, but then returned every night. In ancient Greek they had sirens that lured sailors to their death. And I didn't actually know this, and I feel kind of stupid because I always just thought sirens and mermaids were pretty much the same thing. But originally, they were described as half-bird people. Yeah, and we'll get into more on them in a little bit, but I find that fascinating that we switched from half-bird to half-fish. Yeah, yeah, total opposites. And the pictures are hilarious. We'll be putting them on our Instagram. You can't have a bad day and look at these mermaid drawings. <laughs> or the bird people too yeah yeah the bird people too but there's there's one where it's literally just like a fish body with like a human-ish head and it's like a profile picture every time i look at it i laugh every single time it's beautiful so they had vicious personalities kind of like how they were in peter pan if you remember one of them even wanted to drown wendy right that sounds right it's been a minute since i've watched peter pan but i was like huh pretty sure yeah <laughs> I mean, generally, with the exception of The Little Mermaid, the Disney version only, mermaids are like not chill gals, from what I understand. Or men, you know, whichever. Yeah, yeah. Terry Breverton, in his book Phantasmagoria, Compendium of Monsters, Myths, and Legends. 4,000 years ago, there was E, the Babylonian god of the sea, who had a lower body of a fish, but an upper body of a man. He was thought to bring art and sciences to humans. And also, on the side, fought evil. He was the patron god of cleaners, which I love that for him. I would also hate that for myself. Very strange. It's a very odd thing to be known for. So later, the Greeks would call him Poseidon and Romans would call him Neptune. I never once put that together, that Poseidon was the uh, god of cleaners. Uh, you know, maybe because the water, I don't know. I have no good, no good reason on why that would be. 
The bubbles. The scrubbing bubbles. So the earliest mermaid figure, it was the Syrian goddess Atargagus. And she watched over fertility and the well-being of humans. Syrians had the biggest temple for her. And they also had a pond with sacred fish for her. That sounds like a chill shrine. Like a nice little fish pond. Yeah, she got a fish pond. She got the best temple. She was taken care of. So the next person we've talked about a whole bunch. He was in Ghosts. We talked about him in our Halloween episode. Yeah. So Pliny the Elder, he talked about nereids and nymphs who were mermaids. They had the upper half of a body, but still had scales. It's a vibe on their mermaids. Sounds terrifying, actually. C.S. and Legatus of Gaul wrote to Emperor August, alleging that he had found many of the creatures dead upon the beach. So some of the seamen would say that the mermaids would then climb onto the ships and then sit on the side of the vessel. And then for some reason, it would just start to sink, even though when they would sit on it, it would be fine. But where the mermaids were, if they were there for a considerable time, it would go underwater. Weird. So the next one we'll talk about, I kind of already touched on it, but sirens. They were what a lot of people think of as mermaids. But back then, too, the first instances of sirens, they were half bird, half woman. The story of sirens seems to be consistent, though. They lured men to their death with their songs. So Odysseus would have his men clog their ears with wax and have him strapped to the mast of the ship. So then when they would pass like the area with the sirens, they couldn't call to the guys and kill them. Smart, smart. So there is some conflicting attributes in European mythology. Sometimes they were beautiful, but sometimes they weren't. Sometimes they were beastly. Olenus Magnus, a 16th century cartographer and writer, made the Carta Marina and cataloged the monsters of the seas of Scandinavia. So interestingly, also, Magnus wrote that if fishermen didn't immediately release a mermaid and merman when they had captured them in their fishing nets, then, quote, such a horrible lamentation of that sort of men comes with it and of some other monsters joining with them that you would think this guy should fall, which I kind of interpreted as like, if you do that, bad things will happen. Maybe there's other monsters that will come. Maybe they bring krakens, if you will. Just that it was a very intense time. Yeah, it seems like the consistent thing is that mermaids were always scary and made people really nervous. Yeah, we're going to get to it in a second. But is my favorite part where it's not that they're maybe scary. It's just there's something else entirely. But let's talk about the Netherlands first. Yeah. So in 1430, in an area of the Netherlands, it was super flooded. So two young girls took their boat out because they wanted to milk their cows and they found a mermaid in shallow water. So what they did is they got her into their boat, took her home and closed her. Like a long nightshirt. Like what are they... <laughs> this is one of the ones where I, I, I actually wrote, like, why <laughs> when I was reading about it. So, yeah, I mean, like, I caught a fish. I tried to teach it how to read. Like, yeah. So they took her home. They clothed her. They fed her. And she was a mute and was unable to speak. And they were unable to teach her to speak. And legend says that she tried to escape. They basically held her hostage for 15 full years. And legend says that she died. But because they had taught her to kneel before a crucifix, she was able to be buried in the churchyard, which I have a lot, a lot of questions because if it was a mermaid, one, how could she kneel? And then two, how was she kept on land? Bathtub? Like if, if it's half fish, was she just like, like snaking around? I have so many questions. Yeah. I mean, I guess she would have been snaking around. You know, the idea of a mermaid that we've talked about so far, scary in general, but the idea of a land mermaid snake 
snake is worse, right? Like half human snakes just slithering around. I do not like that. Also, just generally. So let's talk about like we live in a say we lived in a world where mermaids existed, right? And they lived underwater and we're not in Little Mermaid. So we have no confirmation that they can actually speak, right? Because like I would imagine their mouths would probably evolve differently than ours, right? Like we use speech to communicate, but they might have other types of communication because if you're under the sea, <laughs> are you seeing it in your head? <laughs> I am, but no beef, Disney, no beef. Uh, if one is under the sea, then I would imagine that you wouldn't be speaking because you can't speak, right? Like, it doesn't really make sense. Like, I know there was a whole musical number. It still doesn't make sense to me. And I am confused, like, why they were like, oh, this is a creature that lives underwater. It surely has a mouth that works like ours. Right? Right. Well, and a lot of accounts say, and we're, we're going to talk about more of them, but say that they have like carp-like mouths. I also do not like that. It makes sense with the visual. No, it's frightening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't like it either. No, no, no. I only think of Ariel. And that that was my mind until you ruined it, Lindsay. You're welcome. So in case you <laughs> needed to laugh really hard, you, I don't even know how to introduce this next part. It's my favorite part. It's the pictures that get you. So even just like speaking about it, it brings like joy tears to my eyes. And this is a lot of build up, but look for this. So there was an ancient belief that every animal on land had a counterpart in the sea. And that includes humans. Now, what you're thinking, right, is you're like, okay, like mermaids. That's what we've been talking about, right? We've got cows. We've got sea cows, right? That kind of makes sense. But here's where it starts to get like extra fun is that some people even thought that religious leaders had their own sea counterparts. Look, I am not a religious person. No beef with anybody who has religion because that makes many people feel whole and wonderful. And I love that for you. However, the idea that there is going to be like a church under the sea that is the mirror image of a church on land is the baddiest thing I've ever heard. And I know no current religion where that is an actual serious thing unless you're praying to the Atlantis aliens. Like, you cannot get me there. But so there was a 16th century naturalist yeah. who said he saw two creatures that looked like monks and bishops. And so in 1817, in the Encyclopedia Metropolitana, he said he saw a sea monk and he described him as the face was human, but coarse and clownish, the head smooth and without hair, a sort of hood resembling that of a monk covered the shoulders while its, quote, lower parts ended in a spreading tail. Then he saw a bishopish, which he said was yet more wonderful, being clad by nature in the garb of a bishop. And he said he took it to the king of Poland and that the king of Poland was like, no, and like sent it back to the ocean. <laughs> and so like, no, thank you. Please return that thing back to the ocean. Get it out of here. Let's start here. And like, when you look at it, we're going to put these pictures online. I actually think that these, should, maybe this should be part of our cover art because the one on the left is the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. It's the legs to me, the dumpy little legs. It's a corn cob, man. Or feet. Like there's, it's got seats. Like I don't understand. But so I like his cape. Oh yeah, it's got a cape. Like the whole thing. The other one kind of looks like a cactus with a man's, with George Washington's face, but melted. Okay. With cactus arms. I think of like Julius Caesar, right? Like the curly bow cut, that situation. A fascinating yeah. thought. The, I chalk that up as to like, we describe creatures in ways that we understand, right? Like the color blue to me is the color blue. So I would describe things that are blue as blue. But if one didn't know the color blue, they might describe it in a different way. So I think that like they compared it to humans because that's like their frame of reference because they hadn't seen like whatever ugly fish this was. But yeah, they thought that religious leaders had under the sea counterparts. Perfect. Immaculate. 
So talking of monstrosities, we're going to talk about Fiji mermaids. So from here on out after this section, we're going to kind of bounce around geographically and talk about mermaid sightings, mermaid lore. It's going to go back and forth in history because it's kind of a it's kind of a hard topic to get your hands around. If we went chronologically, we'd be all over the world and it'd be very confusing. So we try to keep it to spatial regions. But before that, let's talk about Fiji mermaids. So I thought that was just like a mermaid, that exciting title. But it's actually a term that's used that when humans make mermaid remains. So like when they do like some type of monstrous taxidermy where they take like part of a human or part of a monkey and they've like fuse it to part of like a fish body. Think House of a Thousand Corpses fish boy. That's a Fiji mermaid. Yeah. Which generally I don't think that they are humans. I think normally they're monkeys um, because they're smaller. But so people have been making fake mermaids for at least 400 years. The most notorious one was actually created by P.T. Barnum. And if you don't know who that is, think of Barnum and Barnum Circuses, right? Which, what a thing. But so Barnum tricked thousands of people into seeing a mermaid that was caught near the Fiji Islands. And so what he did was he rented fake mermaids from a Boston museum owner. And then he made these flyers that have beautiful like lady mermaids, right? With like long hair and they look young and they look lovely. So then people came in and what they saw was this like grayish taxidermied monstrosity with a weird fish tail. And it's like kind of human-ish remains. And so one newspaper described the mermaid and the exhibit as, quote, the very incarnation of ugliness. It's so well known <laughs> that that's why the, all of the rest of them are called Fiji mermaids. And it's spelled F-E-E-J-E-E, -E -E, not how Fiji's normally spelled, which I love. Right. So there is a Fiji mermaid at the Nature Museum in Grafton, Vermont. It's a monkey head and torso with a fishtail. If you look at it, it looks like it has a mustache to me. It's like horrific looking. It's just as terrifying as it looks. The picture that we have here in our in our outline is a different one from Canada, but they're horrific. I feel like when I think of these, I think of that weird magazine that like when you're checking out at the grocery store and it always has like these ridiculous pictures. The Inquirer? Probably, yeah. That's what I think of because I think one of them was on the front of that when I was little. And like every time I'd go to the grocery store, that's what I'd see. Yeah, yeah. It's a terrifying, terrifying situation. And so we're going to start moving into different geographies. So the first one we're going to start with is in Japan, there is a shrine that has a mermaid horse in it, for lack of a better describe. And so legend has it that about 1400 years ago, a fisherman was turned into a merman after he was caught fishing in protected waters. He then approached a prince who was in that area and said that he needed to build a shrine so that he could basically put like the merman's corpse on display to warn others to not fish in the waters because they're protected. And it's still there. Wild to me. Just wild. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, don't fish in protected waters. Don't hunt in protected areas. Yeah. I mean, this is what happens. You turn into a horrific little mermaid. <laughs> you turn into things situation and then your remains are put on display forever. I think it's fair. Right. <laughs> So let's journey to America now, like that bitch Christopher Columbus. Okay, so he actually had an account with mermaids, and it is the first written account of manatees in North America. So on January 9th of 1643, that bitch Christopher Columbus, while traveling near the Dominican Republic, said the day before when the Admiral was going to the Rio del Oro, he said he saw three mermaids who came quite high out of the water but were not as pretty as they are depicted. For somehow in the face, they looked like men. I've also seen that he was comparing them to paintings that he had once seen. And he's like, they don't look like those paintings. 
They do not live up to the hype. These are some ugly (laughs) So it's likely what they were looking at was a manatee. And a lot of people believe that when people have mermaid sightings, they're actually seeing manatees. I can't get behind that. I just literally cannot. Because if you've ever seen a manatee, they are literally nothing like what you would see as a mermaid. No, like literally nothing. It's kind of like if you put a little tiny tail on a potato. But adorable. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean that in the most endearing way. They're the cutest. Like they're the absolute cutest. But they surely do not look like mermaids. I will say when I was researching and looking up mermaid sightings as well, there's been some in certain areas where manatees cannot live. So just throwing that out there. Well, and also I think like the idea that you're like, oh, well, it has to be this other creature. It's like maybe it's something that it was something else entirely. Perhaps some people thought they were seeing mermaids. They were seeing bishops. I hope so. I hope they were. <laughs> So some other people believe that he was looking at something called a stellar sea cow. And those were 33 feet long. That's a big situation. 24,000 pounds and 20 times heavier than a manatee. Look, manatees in and of themselves are pretty big, right? Also, they're extinct, by the way, obviously. They're large situations. So like the idea that they're 20 times heavier and also like 33 feet long I wouldn't look at that and go like, oh, that's part human. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would get it mixed up with the manatee. They look pretty similar, but nothing like a mermaid. (laughs) Yeah, like they look similar, but not a mermaid. You're like, this is a big manatee for sure. But not like maybe they needed old timey glasses. (laughs) That could be it. Maybe he was blind. Maybe he had no idea what the hell was happening. Yeah. In 1614, John Smith also saw a mermaid. He described it as fishtailed, had round eyes, had a finely shaped nose, well-formed ears, and long green hair. He also said it was by no means unattractive. Just an interesting note about John Smith's account. It said that it happened in 1614, right? And he was in the West Indies at that time. Hmm. However, historians believe that it's incorrect because he actually wasn't in that area. It's documented that he wasn't in that area till 1607. And then some historians just dismiss the tale altogether and say that didn't happen. I mean, for sure, right? How many of these sightings are probably like complete hogwash? Right. It's funny, though, that like someone went through and they're like, he saw a mermaid in 1614. I'm going to look this up. Where the hell was he in 1614? And then they're like, no, it was 1607. Someone was very adamant about proving this wrong. (laughs) So another interesting sighting, and I did go through this one a little bit more trying to find more information. But in 1998 in Hawaii, a diver named Liker claimed he got proof that mermaids exist. So he's the operator of Jack's Diving Locker in Kauai. And he was located 20 minutes-ish off the coast of Kauai when he saw what he thought was a nude woman swimming with some dolphins. And there's a lot of different sightings that include dolphins, too. When you actually look up mermaid sightings, seems like they're hanging out with dolphins a lot. So he thought it was interesting because she was able to keep up with the dolphins swimming. And when she jumped out of the water into the air, he noticed that she had a fishtail. When he saw this happen, there were 10 people on the boat and they all witnessed this mermaid. About an hour later, he was in the water taking some pictures of some fish. And he says that a mermaid brushed up against him while he was swimming. He turned around and he snapped a couple pictures. So I was looking everywhere for these pictures. And I actually found them on his website. So Jack's diving locker is still open. 
and they have a whole area of the website dedicated to it. I love this so much. Yeah, when you look at the picture, it just looks like he's like taking a picture, I would say up and the mermaid's higher than he is at that time. To me, it looks like a, I don't know, a still from one of the Mermaid Kids movies. It's hard for me to imagine that that's a true authentic photo. However, on his website, I will note his website says Weekly World News had his pictures analyzed by three noted photography labs and they all said that they were genuine and not tampered with. When you're looking at this photo, it looks like a cardboard cutout on top of the water. And here's why. Because it's all the same darkness. Mm -hmm. When you look at it, like it looks like a silhouette fully. And so clearly it's supposed to be shot up. But like, yeah, I have a hard time standing behind this photo. Yeah, it's suspect for sure. But interesting story. Well, and there's also like there's two different ones and they're both different. I don't know. I don't think I believe it. I also think it's interesting that like on his website, like underneath the mermaid story, there's the thing that's like shop mermaid items below. He's clearly like marketing mermaid stuff with this, <laughs> which I mean, make that money. Yes. And that's why I said it's from his website. You know, like people fact check this from his website. I couldn't find anything else. Yeah. That fact checked these on. Yeah. But still a cool story. And it's interesting that 10 people say that they witnessed it. So the next one is pretty popular in the Americas and the Caribbean islands. And her name is La Siren. And she's thought to be a mermaid, right? We can say mermaid. She holds a comb and a mirror. She has long, straight hair. Her underwater world is called the back of the mirror, which sounds really cool. She takes people underwater and some come back with special powers. So some say they may even become a voodoo priestess. In Haiti, she is one of the three powerful female water spirits, and they are honored in shrines and sometimes considered sisters. Sometimes, though, she is shown with a cowboy hat in other modern clothing, which I, I find kind of weird that someone under the sea would be wearing a hat. So here's what I think it is. I think that because when I saw the cowboy hat, I was like, that is a very interesting representation. But I think that's the idea is that it's supposed to be clearly imported clothing. Like it's clearly not from there. So like, I think that's the, the point of the cowboy hat. Yeah. You look at that and go like, that's like a uniquely American thing. So you know that it's important because of that. I don't think that like she particularly is known to enjoy cowboy hats specifically. I think it's just a representation. And you can go like, that's not from there. But interesting. Very strange altogether. I just, that's probably the last item of clothing that I would ever think a mermaid to be depicted in. No, that's not true. Roller skate, socks, knee highs, booty shorts, a thong. Like they can't even wear roller skates, but I'm saying item that they can physically wear. Why would they wear wristbands? I could see them wearing a cool wristband. I don't, why would they wear a cowboy hat? I'm just saying like, this isn't the last, I mean like, it's not top three, but I don't think it's like the last thing. Like one of those old wizards caps would be stranger to me or um oh my god i just googled cowboy mermaid or glasses glasses would be strange in a mermaid right because they would get all like when it rains like, and water gets on my glasses i'm angry maybe when they're sunbathing they wear their sunglasses you don't know them they're sunnies i understand that i understand that maybe that's what happens to all the sunglasses that you lose at the beach yeah a mermaid takes them so our next story is from the inuit population and they live in the arctic areas of canada and greenland Legend says a girl who was tossed overboard while their boat traversed a stormy sea survived and created the creatures that the Inuit people depend on, like seals, whales, and walruses. 
And so it's thought that her father had thrown her overboard, which like disrespectful. And so she's often depicted as a mermaid, but not always. Yeah. So Franz Bose, an anthropologist from the American Museum of Natural History, studied the Inuit people near the lower Baffin Island and published a story about them in 1885 titled The Story of Sedna. Before we get into that, have you ever been to the Smithsonian? I have not. No. Ugh. When you come to the East Coast, a treasure, a delight, a fun time by all. Gather round, children, and I will tell you the story of Sedna. An Inuit man lived alone with his daughter, Sedna, who refused to marry. At last, a bird promised her a life of comfort in a land over the sea, and they married, but the bird lied. Sedna's new life was filled with cold and hunger. When her father visited a year later, she begged him to take her home. So he killed the bird, and they set out to sea. The bird's friends whipped up a giant storm with their wings. Fearing they would drown, Sedna's father threw her overboard to save himself. Sedna clung to the boat. So her father cut off the tips of her fingers, which became whales. Still, Sedna hung on. So her father cut her fingers off at the knuckles. These pieces became seals. Finally, he cut off the stumps of her fingers and she sank into the sea. Amazingly, she did not drown. When the sea calmed, her father let her back into the boat. But Sedna swore revenge and went home. She made her dogs chew off her father's hands and feet. Her father put a curse on them all, and the earth opened and swallowed them. Since then, they have lived in the underworld. Sedna is now honored as the mother of all the sea mammals and as the guardian spirit of the Inuit. I'm really glad that she had her dogs trained well enough to be able to immediately chew off her father's hands and feet. He deserved it, right? He deserved it. He did. Yeah. He was clearly not a nice guy, so you get what you get. But I was like, that's an interesting one. And that was one of the only ones that, like, I found that had any type of, like, origin of things powers, right? Like, normally, like, they're up to something. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah. So in Ireland, people call their bird people Miros, and it's M-E-R-O-W-S. And they're thought to have a greenish tint to their skin, webbed fingers, seaweed green hair, and a fishtail. And it's interesting because this is one of the only stories that I also saw that was like male marrows or something different than female marrows. So there are stories of male marrows who used to capture the souls of drowned sailors in pots. And then they would take their souls to the bottom of the ocean. And the only way that those souls could be released is if a human was brave enough to swim down and open the pots. So like another marrow couldn't open it or they couldn't be like knocked over by a whale or whatever down there. And male marrows are thought to be super ugly. So maybe that what they were seeing when they said they saw super ugly mermaids that look like men. Maybe it was marrows that were from Ireland. Right. Not a manatee, but a marrow. Yeah. And female marrows are thought to be gorgeous and that their singing would lure men to the water and then they could drown them. And some think that that's how male marrows exist, is that they're the drowned men. Interesting. Right? So there is a Gaelic legend that talks about the only way that a marrow can swim underwater is if they have a magical red cap and that if their cap is stolen, then they can't ever return to their underwater world. Another story from the 1800s is that a man saw two marrows that had washed up onto the shore after a really bad storm. One was dead and the other was badly hurt. So he took it home to help it, which sounds a little bit like Amanda's story from earlier, right? Yeah. This guy kept them in a tub and he fed it milk and shellfish and that's all it would eat. And that was the story that like I saw. It was just like he fed it milk and shellfish. Would have loved a cream and crab soup. Horrible. 
just so bizarre. I don't know why anyone sees a mermaid or anything like it and like, I want to keep it in my bathtub. You know who's the best person to take care of this? Me. I'm the mermaid doctor. <laughs> but I'm no mermaid doctor. I'm not. I'm not a scientist. I'm the mermaid scientist. I can take care of this. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. You have the green hair. I mean, you're halfway there. Yeah. We talked about being a sicker scientist. Maybe it's mermaid scientist. It's fictional. It feels more right. I think that's fair. So January 22nd is the feast day of Liban, Ireland's mermaid saint, which like 10 out of 10. Love it. And this kind of started in the 6th century in Ireland. And it's in medieval writings, but it's also passed down orally. So Liban was a daughter of a king, the, the king of Ulster, and her name was Liban. During this time, the palace and the lands flooded. And she and her dog were the only ones that survived. And so the area that supposedly flooded is still water. So she lived in a, quote, bower under the low, which I don't know what that means, with her dog for a year. And she was horrifically lonely, right? Because it was just her and her dog, which I mean, like, I would choose Moose Company over many humans. But like, you need human interaction after a while. So after a year, yeah, she prayed to the goddess Daniel. And she asked to be turned into a salmon so that she could hang out with other fish so she wasn't lonely anymore, which feels very sweet. What about the dog? She didn't forget her pup. So Laban was turned into a mermaid and her dog was turned into an otter and loved this pairing. Oh, cute. It's a much better than a flounder, right? We can agree on that. Or a seagull. Yeah. Yeah, an otter with their little hands. Yeah. Yeah, their little hands. And how they hold hands, their little whiskers, little faces. But so for 300 years, she fulfilled the prophecy, which was that Laban will swim eastwards, westwards over each sea. After 300 years, she was caught in fishing nets and then she was released. She promised the person who had called her that she would come back a year later. So when she came back, she had met with a monk who was named Comgol and he baptized her. She was baptized with the name Mirga. She died pretty soon after, but she was known as the mermaid saint because she was baptized. So also in Ireland, this is completely different. So in 1910, there was a mermaid sighting right before the Great Potato Famine. And so after that, folks started to think that they were a bad omen because the famine was so terrible. Yeah, there's a few cultures that actually see mermaids as bad omens. So that's interesting. So another legend comes from Scotland from 1830. A group of people believed that they saw a mermaid, but they described it as a miniature woman who was swimming in the water. And so all the people that saw her were very excited about seeing this odd creature. And they tried to catch her, but she went to swim away. So some people dove in after her and then some boys threw rocks at her and jerks. One struck her in the back. Fast forward a few days later, her corpse washes up to shore. And they described, now that they could see the full body, they describe her as a small creature with pale white skin and a tail of a fish, but without the scales. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So the sheriff thought that it would be fitting that she had a proper burial. And, you know, they buried her in a coffin, wrapped her in a shroud. Probably a white shroud would be my guess. And people have really wanted to know more about this legend. And unfortunately, no one knows where they exactly buried her because there was no marker. So no one was able to actually locate this coffin with this mermaid. I have so many problems with the, with the story. First off, why are they throwing rocks at her? Secondly, the idea of a mermaid that has pale white skin and has a flesh tail, I cannot handle. You can't handle it. I literally cannot handle it. It's like the descent, but with mermaids, I, I'm not having it. Like, I'm just, <laughs> I'm not having it. Flesh tails. I don't like it. I just thought of like a dolphin tail. 
but with human skin instead of a fish. Pale white skin, tail of a fish. They just say no scales. Oh, her like her human form was pale white. Yeah, but if she didn't have scales, then what color was she on the bottom? Do you see what I'm saying? I don't know. I've seen some pictures that people have painted of it and some pictures that people have drawn and they are frightening. They're always frightening. But like, do you see what I'm saying? Like a full skin mermaid where like, oh God, it makes me, but... <laughs> so my mind didn't go there, Lindsay. My can't my mind can't stop going there. I am horrified. I'm nauseous now. It grosses me out in the same way that cannibalism does. I can't. I mm, mm, mm. I didn't think the story would get no. you that bad. It's just no, it's not even the story. It's my brain. My own brain's <laughs> doing it. I do not like it. Maybe if I show you one of the pictures that I saw. Can you send me one of these? Can I look at this right now? Yeah. Hold on, hold on. Yeah, can you because my brain's gonna break. My brain is broken. Your brain is broken. The head was dark and glossy while the skin was white, soft, and tender. The lower part of the body was like a salmon, but without scales. Oh, yeah. Oh, gross. I don't like it. I do not like it. Of all the mermaids, that's the one that gets you. Well, what I also like is that, like, later on, like, people were, like, trying to find the body of this mermaid. Yeah. They were like, where is she? I mean, which, I mean, understandable, right? Like, I would also know this flesh-tailed mermaid. Okay, we got to move on. I can't handle this. So let's talk about Australia. So some of the Aboriginal people of Australia credit the creation of land, trees, and animals to yak yaks, which live in sacred water holes. And they're thought to provide the rain for plants to grow and drinking water. They're described as having fishtails and seaweed or algae for hair. Pretty. A different part of their lore is that they grow legs at night so they can walk. And that sometimes they also assume the form of a dragonfly, which sounds beautiful. Women who walk near a Yakuk's water hole can become pregnant, which I have a lot of questions. Like, are they becoming pregnant immediately? Are they just super fertile? I need to know. I need to know. If they're enraged, they can create storms. So some kind of descriptions of them also envision them to be part swordfish, crocodile, or snake. And then, interesting, so a lot of stories that we hear about mermaids, I think sirens specifically, they were considered, like, chimeras of a different sort, and then, like, European folklore arrives, and that's when people start kind of having this image of, a like, a half-woman, half-fish body. Yak mm-hmm. Yaks resembled mermaids before Europeans even arrived, which I thought was very interesting. So, speaking of European folklore... So folks who believe in mermaids there think that they have magic and prophetic abilities, kind of like fairies. They're thought to love music, have long lives, that they're mortal, but they have no soul. That's sad. So one of the things that I saw in European folklore was that, so if a man steals an object from a mermaid, she is forced to live with him until she is able to find the item he stole from her. And that once she's able to find the item, she can return to the sea. Why? And so the items that they would steal would be like their hats. And like, if you're thinking their cowboy hat, hat, uh, cowboy hat. But we talked about in Irish folklore, in particular Gaelic legends, there was that if they stole their red cap, they couldn't return to the sea. So that would kind of track here. A belt. Right. I don't understand what kind of belts they're wearing. Combs or mirrors. <laughs> I, and I, I put in the notes, why would it already need a belt? Are they holding their fins up? I don't know. So in some stories, they will be married and that the marriage will last so long as certain conditions are met and that if conditions are broken, the marriage ends. And that just sounds like marriage to me, right? Right? Unless you find your stolen item and then you're free again. <laughs> Luck. 
sometimes that is the case. <laughs> I meant more the condition part, right? Like so long as like you're a decent human to me and I'm a decent human to you. and We love each other. We'll stay together. But like in my head, I had the condition as while your stolen item is hidden, we will be married. But once you find it, the marriage is over. I am still looking for my hat. Uh, he doesn't listen. He'll never know I said it. <laughs> I can't find my belt. <laughs> oh, this is the ultimate test of whether they actually listen to our podcast is what items did we say you took from us? If you listen, do not tell them. Oh, yeah. It's their own special quiz just for her <laughs> own husband so we can be mad at them for no reason. So... Per European folklore, mermen and mermaids are generally dangerous to humans and that if they bring them a gift, it's generally going to bring you misfortune. So, for example, so like say they were like, oh, here's, I don't know, here's, you're wealthy, right? But then you piss off the mermaid, then she like rips it away and some. So it's like, oh no. It's also thought that if they were disrespected, they would cause natural disasters like floods or shipwrecks. They would lure humans to their drowning death. Sounds like a siren. I feel like we're hearing some like broad strokes. Yeah. Yeah. And all the different cultures kind of take a couple things, add a few things and then move on. As we do. <laughs> all right. So let's travel to Indonesia, to the K Islands. So there's one story that comes from World War II and Japanese soldiers had a surveillance team on the islands. And several members say that they saw what they call a small humanoid creature with spines on its neck and head and a mouth like a carp. Beautiful. Beautiful. I saw a few other descriptions that included things like it was 150 centimeters tall or around five feet, salmon colored skin, long arms. And some said, which I don't understand how this is a mermaid, but some said they had frog-like legs and both the arms and the legs had talons at the end oh it's such a beautiful image <laughs> yeah and I'm, I'm kind of putting together all of the descriptions that i found in this area around the same time so sightings continued and local villagers were familiar with the sightings and they actually had a name for these mermaids monstrosities these monstrosities <laughs> the the term that they used translated to manfish so some of the villagers invited one of the sergeants to come look at one of the creatures that they caught i guess the sergeant had put it out there like if you guys are able to catch one please let us know because i want to go and see it i mean i feel like that's a given if you catch a mermaid catch it like everyone wants to see a mermaid yeah 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 so the villagers finally caught one and they they called the sergeant over right and his name was Mr. Hariba. And he described the creature to have a small body with red-brown hair, spikes along the neck, a humanoid face with a lipless, fish-like mouth full of needle-sharp teeth. Maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's her needle-sharp teeth. <laughs> Every time I describe, I have to, like, look at Lindsay's face and get the reaction. <laughs> so after the war ended, for what I understand, Mr. Hariba urged zoologists and was like, please investigate this area. I need you to tell me what these are. And they all politely declined because no one believed him. I mean, even if you did believe him, would you want to go find this? Nah, no, 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 needle sharp teeth. No, thank you. <laughs> OK, so let's now go to Israel. And we're only going back now to 2009. So not terribly long ago. Yeah. 
So people in the town of Kiryat Yam were seeing something that they described as part young woman and part fish. She was seen a lot around dusk, and some people even said that she'd almost like perform tricks to get attention. Some of the first people that say that they saw her said that they saw her sunbathing. And then when they tried to approach her, she went back into the water. Hmm. When she jumped into the water, though, they noticed she didn't have legs, but a tail. So word started to spread. Hundreds of people claimed that they had seen her at one time or another. So the town council was like, okay, I want proof. They offered a $1 million reward for any evidence that she exists. She didn't need to be captured. They were only looking for something as simple as an authentic photo. Aren't we all? <laughs> as of what I could find this week, the prize was still unclaimed. Do you think that if a mermaid was found in 2021, it would be worth a mere $1 million? Like captured or just the evidence? Either. No, 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 no. Do you think they would pay just a million dollars? I think someone would pay. Do you think that there's someone out there? Yeah, like that's my thing. I feel like a million dollars... Oh, no, I think they pay almost anything. It's like a paltry, like amount to get for real evidence of a mermaid. Because if you could find real evidence, then that's like theoretically they're in that area. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Elon Musk or whoever could go find that mermaid. Yeah. Yeah. So NBC decided, hey, we're going to investigate. And they actually sent a film crew to the beach and they were there morning and night. So this film crew claimed that late one night they spotted a human figure in the water, but then it disappeared. And they tried to pursue it, but couldn't trace its exact location. They did get some footage from what I understand, and they transferred it to L.A. so that it could be authenticated. And here's what the director of the center in L.A. said. Although it is impossible to unequivocally determine the figure in the footage, it still remains a viable option. It just means it could be, okay, but can't be proven. That's a nice way of saying, we don't know. It's a nice way of saying our footage is useless. <laughs> Am I wrong? That's a mean way of saying it. Yeah. Could be, could be not is the same thing. Like, we've offered nothing of substance to this concern, but <laughs> we're going to still take up some space in this story. What I thought was interesting, though, is that NBC sent a crew. So, like, who doesn't want to know if there's mermaids? It caught the attention of a lot of people. There's no one who doesn't want to know that. So, I mean, I'm for it. That's true. That's true. Okay, so our next little bit, we're going to focus primarily on three different stories from Zimbabwe that are relatively recent, which blows my mind. But before we do that, we're going to start with some African folklore about mermaids. And this is kind of an amalgamation of what I could find as I saw these different stories. So I tried to put it all together. So per some African folklore, mermaids can give health, societal power, fertility, and wealth to humans. And that to be gifted by a mermaid, one must either A, sacrifice a family member, or B, vow to remain celibate. Those are very different things. Yeah. And so what I saw, it was like, if you break your sacrifice, your gift could be revoked. But, like, I take that to read as, like, if you break your celibacy, because, like, if you sacrifice a family member, like, what are you bringing them back to life? You can't undo that. So I'm assuming it's if you break your vow of celibacy, then your gift could be revoked. Some think that the origin of mermaids in Africa was on the western coast and that folks believed that mermaids could help grant luck in finding diamonds. Other research suggests Central Africa. There's various names in Africa. And they all roughly translate to Lady of the Water or Mother Water. One representation that is pretty prevalent in Africa is Mamiwata. 
And Mamiwata is both fearsome and protective to those who worship her. Some think that her legends originated in Northwest Africa and Sierra Leone. She's often portrayed as a water spirit, but she has other forms. So per Henry John DeWall, a scholar who has researched whether different cultures believe in Mamiwata in African countries and cultures, said that almost half of African countries believe in Mamiwata. And so she's believed to have long, straight hair. She carries a mirror and a comb, just like La Siren. She, but like and another interesting fact about her is that she wears a watch. So most depictions of her have a watch, which is a very interesting kind of image to see because it feels really modern. It's weird. And she t- sometimes she's holding a snake. She's thought to lure people underwater and that if you come back, yeah, you'll come back as one of her mediums and you'll have special powers. And then completely flipped. So just along the lines of African folklore about mermaids, some traditional healers in Africa claim that they got their powers through mermaids that are called Njuzus. I feel like there's like a more cohesive story throughout like the continent of Africa of mermaids than I've seen in the Americas or in Europe. Yeah. What I want to know, and this is probably, maybe it's been done and I just don't know, but I want like a superhero origin story to start out now. Yeah. With getting kidnapped by a mermaid because you know think of like spider-man getting bit by the spider like i want the superhero that got kidnapped by mermaids came back with crazy powers saves the world a couple times well then we are going to need to pay very special and close attention to clarice chuma who claimed she was kidnapped by mermaids when she was bathing in a river in zimbabwe so she said that three mermaids came and took her and held her captive for two weeks This is a direct quote from her. She said, I and my sister Melody had visited our uncle and we decided to take a bath in the river. Melody saw a fish and we decided to try it and catch. In order to do so, an unexpected whirlwind whisked me away and took me into a deep cave underneath the water where I found three ladies who had half human and half fish bodies. I survived the two weeks eating raw fish and the ladies threatened to kill me if I refused to eat them. So I had no option but to listen to their orders. So per the stories that I read, so her aunt Angeline had said that a lo- that local church members had come to her and said, oh, you know, we can help find her in exchange for two cows. And she was like, this doesn't seem legitimate because if you wanted to help me, you would help me. You wouldn't require livestock to do so. Mm-hmm. So she found another preacher who did agree to help her. And other church members, the preacher who they had and her family member congregated near the, near the river and prayed. And as they did, they said the dark water began to cycle. And the preacher told the family to look at the water and then they could actually see Chuma lying unconscious in the underwater cave. So the preacher instructed the family to sing and spit on Chuma to wake her up. So then the next part is another direct quote from Chuma. The mermaids told me that I had to return home as some people were looking for me. They handed me a basket and an arrow with a lot of medicines and instructed me to heal people and return with gifts of money at the cave as Thanksgiving. I was shocked to see people gathered around with my family and present and my body was so powerless. The prophet then burnt the basket to ashes, and I don't know how to thank him for saving me. And so the prophet is the preacher who she's talking about. But I find that fascinating because it sounds like they were not perhaps great for taking her, but they were like, here, help heal people. Yeah, what made them change their mind all of a sudden? The prey? I, maybe they were like, you figured it out. But it, it's an interesting story. Also, like the idea of like, yeah, I hadn't heard of like whirlwinds of water, which I, I'm assuming would be like a hurricane kind of like or whirlpool maybe. Yeah. So the next story does not have a good ending. Let's start there. 
So in a different area of Zimbabwe, there were three young boys who saw a mermaid near a dam while they were herding cattle. Two of them jumped in the water because they wanted to catch it. And they also they thought it was a fish. It was just like a really big fish. And so during this time, other folks had seen mermaids right around the same dam area. The mermaid pulled the two boys underwater and the third boy who wasn't pulled under said that the mermaid then brought them back up and tossed them onto the bank and that they were still alive. The third boy was freaked out because the other two had nearly drowned, right? And so he ran to get help on the other boy's parents. And when the parents came, they cried and they were really upset, understandably. And so in the articles that I read on this particular story, I saw that apparently, according to some African mermaid lore, it's bad luck to cry after a mermaid accident. So the boy's parents, the other adults who came when the third boy came running and the third boy then saw the mermaid come back because they were crying and she drug him into the water until, and held him there until he drowned. And the local police chief said that two other people were killed there before the boys at the same location. That's horrible. Yeah, that's also a lot of witnesses, right? Like a lot of people who were saying they saw the same thing. Yeah. So our last Zimbabwe story is from 2012. And these are all within the 2000s, I believe. So in 2012, Zimbabwe's water resources minister, Samuel Nakomo, told their Senate that mermaids were the cause of mysterious malfunctions in the machines at the Gakwe Dam and that workers were terrified. He claimed that mermaids were to blame for the issues at another local dam as well. So Nakomo called for traditional rituals to be performed at the dams to get rid of the mermaids. And one of the rituals at least includes traditionally brewed beers, which I thought was interesting. So at the other dam, the Osborne Dam, yeah. divers went down to look at what was going on with the pumps because they weren't working properly. And the people that went down said they would never go down there again because of what they saw because they were mermaids. And mm -hmm. so after Nakomo had talked about the mermaid issues, they came and performed rituals. And that once the rituals had been done by traditional healers, the issue stopped. And so Nakomo was like, I don't believe in mermaids. But he knew that the people who worked there did. So he was like, we'll have the rituals done just in case. It'll help them get back to work. Yeah. And so fishermen have also reported weird instances there throughout the years. Yeah. And I also read that they sent another team not from the area to go and try to work on it as well, just because they're like, well, if they're not from the area, they won't know about the issues here and they won't think that it's mermaids. So perhaps they'll be able to finish everything. That team also vowed to never come back. I would be very curious to see what was down there. I would love someone to tell me. Yes. You go. You tell us. <laughs> so, yes, please. We mentioned it at the top, but one of the things that made us want to cover this now was that we kept seeing videos of, like, creepy mermaid sightings. The TikTok algorithm figured out that that's what I wanted to see, and it's been showing me mermaid things since Amanda sent it to me. And so... Yeah, that's all I see now. We wanted to talk about some of the creepier ones, and we'll definitely, as always, post this on social media. Also, if you don't follow us on Instagram, we'll often put like memes or videos that we see that are like relevant to past episodes on our stories, which are always a fun time. So yeah, always you can follow us on everything, but particularly follow us there. Yeah. So one that I kept sending Lindsay all last week was her TikTok handle is Feebed underscore. It's P-H-E-B-E-D underscore. And she does like a whole series on mermaid sightings. And there's a couple where I had to sit there and watch them a few times where I'm like, yeah, I can't tell you what that is. I have no idea. It's like cell phones or like, you know, odd angles of cameras, of course. But there's one where something's on like a rock and these people are like yelling at it and then it jumps into the water. But it really, truly isn't a way that 
I think a human could jump into the water that like gracefully. And yeah, I don't know. It it kind of freaked me out. I sent, I don't even know how many I sent you over the last week. I love it. All TikToks all the time. Yeah. Uh, I will say like a lot of them, I think I said it already at the beginning, but like a lot of them aren't intentionally scary. But when you see something that you really can't identify, it just gives you chills. No, I I completely agree with you. I think that that's what makes mermaids scary is that one, we don't know. But also whenever you see like pictures, like there's there's one photo in particular floating around the Internet of this like almost like so pale, it's translucent white mermaid. Yeah. And it's haunting to look at. Right. Like it's not aerial. No, for sure. It's kind of like it look. you know what it is. It looks like an alien on top. It does. And you actually mentioned it. What if that's what they are? The, the water aliens. We figured it out. There's our, there are our underwater aliens. I think something notable, too, when we brought up The Little Mermaid, <laughs> that the original story for The Little Mermaid was not nice. No, it really was not. Like, her grandmama was very mean. And, you know, spoiler alert, she turns into seafoam at the end. Like, yeah. there's no happy ending. Which, I mean, also, there's rarely happy endings. When you have to give up your voice for a man. Yes. Let's put it there. Don't marry men you've never met. But so even the Little Mermaid movie, I'm like, "Mm." but yeah, you know, but I didn't know that before researching this. But when you think about it, a lot of the Disney tales, they've all obviously altered it to appeal to children. Yeah. But just interesting all around. Mermaids. I came into this as like Ariel and now like mermaids are terrifying. Yeah. Thanks, Lindsay, for ruining the idea of mermaids. You're welcome. (laughs) So, Amanda, Mm -hmm. do mermaids exist? I think there are creatures in the sea. I know we've already said this before that exists that we don't know. I think what we perceive to be a mermaid is probably just some like creepy fish monster thing that's somewhere in the ocean. I don't think it's you know, like this beautiful woman with a fishtail, nor do I think it's manatee. I think it's somewhere in the middle. Okay, okay. Let me reframe my question. Do you think there are creatures within the ocean or waters, wherever they may be, that have human level sentience? I think some, uh, maybe not full human, but I think that there probably is weird creatures that have like human-like hands in the ocean or things like that. I don't know fully, I guess. What do you, what about you? Like, how do you feel about it? Yeah, yeah. I think it would be, I, I could see there being creatures with human level sentience in the ocean because one, it hasn't all been explored enough, so we don't know. And also like it would, why not, right? We know that dolphins are like incredibly smart. So it, it wouldn't surprise me that there would be another creature that was smarter. And if you were smarter, you would know well enough to stay the heck away from humans because humans are a blight to our planet and our water. So, like, no good would come from, like, purposely mingling with humans. So that's where we're at. But as always, we want to know if you believe in mermaids. I am 10 of 10. Very excited. Should talk about this in the bat bonfire. A little scared, but I can't wait to see all the things people see. Because a little scary, but always fun. Yeah. Yeah. And with that, have a good weekend. Thanks for creeping with us. Thanks for listening. For more information on our sources, please visit our website, truecreeps.com. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can follow us on Instagram at truecreepspod, on Facebook at facebook.com slash truecreepspod, and on Twitter at truecreeps. We'd love for you to keep creeping with us. So if you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and share the show with your fellow creeps.